Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Sharp Lessons, everybody. Stadium Sports Betting Podcast. Happy Friday. Happy Wild Card Weekend. To everyone celebrating in the NFL this weekend, we've got the Professor Nate Jacobson. I'm Ben Wittenstein. You can follow us at Stadium Bets. we got a lot of fun things down the road coming for Stadium Bets. You're going to want to get in on that Twitter account early on to get everything betting from Stadium. We're going to have some new shows coming up, so it's going to be a whole lot of fun on the Stadium Bets Twitter account. Uh, so go follow that now. You'll get Nate and I's picks, our best bets and everything, and you'll get updated when the uh, podcast comes out as well. But Nate... I'm wearing my little stadium beanie for the podcast today. Keep my ears warm. Hopefully it keeps our bets hot and everything around there. So it's a good look, hopefully, on the podcast. Hopefully it doesn't make me look too dumb, but I'm ready to make some wild card picks. No, it looks great, especially in a chilly Chicago during this winter. You're always prepared in case the uh, the furnace goes out at the old apartment. And uh, yes. if you don't have to pause mid-show, you're able to uh, stay warm and keep your head warm. And that's very important to Make sure that you're thinking straight during these shows to deliver the best information and picks if you're trying to invest your money for Super Wild Card Weekend in the NFL, which yeah, I'm excited for. I'm excited to see these games play out and then, of course, see how what happens and who advances. And then the divisional round, which is always one of my favorite weekends of the year and those games, how those set up, because those usually are always four very, very strong games. Yeah, so we're excited. Six games. This weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, we're going to have six NFL games. Winner goes on, loser goes home. Lots of fun with that. So let's just start, Nate. Let's start with the Raiders the Bengals. We're going to go in uh, the same order that we did in the show on Wednesday. So just to keep everything uh, with continuity purposes, let's go Raiders at the Bengals. Bengals minus five. Total is at 48 and a half. And we do want to mention again, by the time this comes out Friday, and then if you're listening to it Saturday before the games, these lines may have changed just a little bit. We've already seen some lines move fairly drastically within the last 48 hours or so. But right now it's at the Bengals laying the five. That totals at 48 and a half. It's the Friday show, Nate. So what are you going to be picking for this weekend? Yeah, honestly, I don't have anything in this game. I think the line is spot on five and a half. Although if you're just giving like a pure power rating based on what the spread is, I think this line actually is a little inflated and there's value on the Raiders. I just can't get over the fact that the Raiders played that late Sunday night game against the Chargers while the Bengals were able to sit Joe Burrow, sit a lot of starters last week. So it's almost like they had a bye last week while the Raiders had a fight to play in the playoffs and beat the Chargers in that crazy game on Sunday night. And then you have to travel across the country. Weather's going to be in the 20s and 30s, so cold weather for a team that plays out in the desert against a Bengals team that's well-rested. Raiders playing the early Saturday game is no advantage for them at all. And you also have to think about how the Raiders got to the playoffs, winning four straight games, 
all really dramatic, high-leverage games. So I just wonder if things don't start right for Las Vegas, that maybe not just going to be quit because it's a playoff game, but maybe the Bengals can really pull out ahead and the Raiders are going to have trouble coming back in this one. So in terms of side, I don't like anything. I know I've seen a lot of tweets this week making the case for the first half under because it's two quarterbacks making their first career playoff start. I saw that first half under get bet down from 24 and a half to 24. So don't be surprised to see a slow start in this game. But I think right now at 48 and a half, it's probably good, especially since it got bet down from as high as 49 and a half. So kind of missing out if you still want to go under on this game because you could have got a better number earlier in the week. Ultimately, I won't have a bet side or total in this game. But later in the show, I did isolate a prop that I like involving a few Raiders pass catchers. This is why I need you on the podcast, Nate, because I'm I'm pretty gung ho about the Raiders, but then you know, hearing the points that you make, I think they're all valid in terms of maybe being a little hesitant on them, um, just a little bit, just because the Bengals are coming in here more refreshed, and you've got Joe Burrow, who's been looking fantastic over the past couple of weeks. Um, I, I don't know. I may wait a little bit on this line to see if it goes a bit more favor in the Bengals' direction. It really hasn't been doing that too much recently, but maybe as we get closer to kickoff sharps will start hitting the Bengals a little bit more but I, I may wait if i can get the raiders at five and a half i'm hoping i can maybe get them at six if, if it's at six i'm gonna absolutely pound that line i think that's a terrific line to get the raiders um for how well they have played recently even on the road right now um but i would if i'm leaning either way i'm gonna lean the raiders in this game and i think you know the line between these two teams if you're looking you know maybe like on a neutral field it's closer to two and a half three i think these teams are a little bit closer in talent and just ability than i think this line suggests so raiders i'm leaning in this game if i can get them at plus five so be it but if i can get them plus five and a half plus six i'd be even happier by kickoff patriots at the bills Rematch number three between Bill and the Bills. Uh, Bills laying four in this one. The total is at 44. Um, Cold weather is going to be the issue in this game. And we know and we have seen how Josh Allen and the Bills have played in colder weather where they have simply not done so well. And and they kind of look like a, a worse off Josh Allen, a worse off offense. I don't trust the Bills offense to begin with. And you look at the Patriots. I don't know if Bill Belichick is going to lose to the Bills after already having lost throughout the season. Right, so it, hesitancy. right, so it is going to be cold in this game, but the wind isn't going to be like what it was when these two teams met in yes. Buffalo that Monday night, early December, uh, week 13, I believe it was. So I know there's going to be a lot made about the cold weather, but I actually don't think it's going to impact the Bills as much as the first meeting did against New England when it was hard to throw the ball because the wind was so dramatic. You can still throw the ball in cold weather and calm wind. It's just maybe a little bit harder to catch the ball, especially Josh Allen kind of throwing those uh, those fastballs with his rocket arm. Yeah. So maybe that's an issue for Buffalo, but I don't think it's going to be a an issue like we saw six weeks ago when these two teams met on a Monday night. They split the season series. The road team won both games. Last time they played, Bills closed as a one-point underdog, won the game 33-21 to in New England to retake the AFC West, uh, sorry, AFC East uh, lead, which they ended up holding on to with wins against the Falcons and Jets to close the season. This is another one. I don't mean to be boring, but I'm not going to have a bet side or total at least pregame in this game. Definitely a game where I'm going to try to find live opportunities to bet because I'll be watching this game closely. 
on Saturday night, but I have nothing really to give out. Side, total, even props in this game. I think the line is perfect. I think the total right now at 44 makes a lot of sense. It got bet up earlier in the week from as low as 42 and a half. I think with when the people saw cold weather and how the matchup played out the first time, under was probably the initial look. But if the weather and the wind isn't going to be a factor in this game, then I think both teams have the ability to put up points, Josh Allen through the air, and then the Patriots with their running attack when they had a lot of success running the ball. When that really windy game, 217 rushing yards on 38 carries from their running backs. So I think the totals right now at 44, which is the key number, Four is probably the right number. I really don't have a, a opinion on this game, unfortunately. I would have much preferred if these two teams weren't playing against each other this weekend because I could have found myself betting on both teams instead of just kind of staying away and watching. A lot of matchups really unfortunate for you this weekend with the uh, Cardinals and the Rams and the Bills and the Patriots. It seems you like betting on, and now they're just going to all be playing each other. Yeah, the Cardinals and Rams would have been two teams I would have bet against, I mentioned on Wednesday's yes. show. And then it was the 49ers and Cowboys, where I think I, looking, reading, look, listening back to the podcast, said I was disappointed by the matchup. <laughs> not because I'm not excited to watch these two teams play, but I wanted an opportunity to bet. And, you know, those were two teams I wanted to bet on. These are two teams that, actually, I don't know if I want to bet on or against. I just prefer if they didn't play each other for the third time. Um, this season and it's like a six-week span so that's why uh, live betting is going to be the way I go in this game which I know seems like a cop-out but I don't want to give out anything that I'm not personally putting my money towards you know I do I do lean the over in this one if I'm going to have a play I, I agree with you picking a side in this one is a little bit difficult because I can see honestly either team really winning it pretty handily um, in this case between because they're just they've played each other so well and I think the total people have been I think scared off a bit from betting overs and betting high totals in this matchup just because of that early December matchup where it was 24 points combined between the two teams. And they hit the under 41 very heavily. And that was because of the weather. And it was terrible weather. It was windy and couldn't see anything. And it was just the worst weather we have seen probably this year in a football game, if not top three. And then you see their second matchup. And they score 54 points combined. And I think that is more indicative of how these two teams can operate against each other. I know it's going to be cold. I think the high is supposed to be five degrees in Buffalo, in Orchard Park, um, on that Saturday night for a Saturday night game. So it's going to be chilly. But like you said, the wind's not really going to be a factor. I think you can – over 44, I think, is probably the move for me in this one. I think you can see a, a mid to high 40s scoring game because I think that's, that's the reality of these two teams playing against each other is mid to high 40s type of game and not – 24 points not 30 points combined and i don't think we're going to see the patriots just go all run again i don't think they're going to be 100 percent run i don't think they're just going to leave mac jones out of a wild card game like they did back on december 6th so i think we do see more scoring in this one i maybe made a team total i may hit a new england team total i know the bills team totals have been a little a little inflated since last season i don't think that that has even caught up to anything so i may may hit a new england team total over but i do like the over in this one at 44 Sounds good. Let's go on to Sunday where uh, the games are a little bit better. I think I'll have more of an opinion. <laughs> All right. Eagles Buccaneers. Buccaneers laying eight and a half. Some places have them in nine. Forty six is the total in this one. Um, I'm, I have a best bet. It's the Eagles. In this one, I really like the Eagles. I'll make that best bet at plus nine because that was I think that's a fair number to get them at right now where most of the markets and sports books are. But I, I like the Eagles. I don't. 
winning the game. I don't know if I would take the money line, but if I'm going to get eight, eight and a half, nine points with them and playing well, Jalen Hurts is going to be back. They're going to be playing uh, play action pretty well. They're going to be playing. I just, I, I think the way that they run their offense, and I know the Buccaneers run defense could be an issue for teams. I think the Eagles can at least keep pace with the Buccaneers, um, who I think are still being a tad overvalued, especially come playoff time because I have Tom Brady. So sidewise in this game, so maybe in every other game I could like maybe make a soft lean or something, but in this game I can make a case for both sides. So I'm definitely not going to talk you out of the Eagles. Uh, the Buccaneers would have been a perfect teaser down to eight and a half to two and a half if you can still get eight and a half. The problem mm-hmm. is there isn't really a good traditional teaser leg to tease them with this week in the NFL with only five other games. So that's probably not going to be a play for me unless something really pops up, which I don't think it will. Let's go towards the total, though, which is, I think, the most interesting part of this game. And since we last recorded about 48 hours ago, the biggest or most significant move was the total as high as 49 and a half earlier in the week and down to 46 at sportsbooks that we have access to. And now I know 46, 46 and a half seems to be the number. And the reason why, because of weather, Tampa Bay, Sunday afternoon, 20-mile-per-hour winds, chance of rain, although it is Florida, so who knows if that rain will be sustained throughout the whole game or it will just kind of be a pop-up shower. But it was enough where there was a pretty significant move in this game towards the under. And early in the week, because of the matchup of the Eagles' run-centric offense against the Buccaneers' really stout rush defense when fully healthy. And it looks like they're getting a couple defensive players back who missed the last few games. I was looking towards the Eagles team total under is 19 and a half shop around for this because sports books will definitely have different ones. And I think betting the Eagles team total under now that the full game total has gone down is a way to expose yourself to the sharp line move on the under without missing out on the totally on the value because of, Going from 49.5 to 46 is pretty drastic, but you might be able to find some derivatives or prop team props like this where there's still some value in the numbers. So I'm going to look to bet the Eagles team total under. Let's see where that number kind of settles in on Sunday, and maybe if that weather kind of doesn't play out like it's being predicted, maybe that team total and that full game total will go up. So kind of waiting to see on Sunday morning what to do with that, but I'm looking towards Eagles team total under in this game. Yeah, the worse the weather, the more confident I am in the Eagles, in the Eagles spread at the very least, because if if we're predicting, you know, showers and wind and terrible storms, you're going to probably see a lower scoring game and probably one that's in favor of the Eagles, quite frankly, in the style that they play. So, yeah, I, I I like the under, and if if that's an under that if people like the under, I would I like the Eagles going on that as well. Yeah, typically when there's a big favorite and the totals going down, that kind of favors in a little in a way usually correlates more to the underdog just because there's less variance if it's going to be lower scoring, which means the game has a better chance to be a closer margin. And if you are backing the Bucks, you're going to have to have them win by margin and maybe overcome some bad weather. So if you do think the Eagles can hang around anyway without bad weathers, then you probably would really like them if the weather is bad in this game, um, as long as you can trust Jalen Hurts to just maybe make a few throws if needed to, if they're trying to play catch-up. 
Yeah, I, I think that's the only problem. And he's done it in the past, but he's usually he's a great garbage time quarterback where he'll make the throws that is needed. But it's it's a little too little too late for that yeah. one. The one thing that I do like about taking the Eagles here is Buccaneers are going to have two fewer uh, wide receivers than they did against uh, the last time that they played each other. Right? They're not going to have Antonio Brown. They're not going to have Chris Godwin. Um, yep. I, I think they're supposed to have Leonard Fournette back for this game, um, so they'll at least have him. But that's a significant drop off in wide receiving options for Tom Brady. So and the fact that they only lost by six to the Buccaneers, I know it was a home game for for the Eagles. They lost by six. I, I don't know. I, I think yeah. getting them at eight and a half, nine, I think you're still within that comfortable margin of the Eagles having a pretty good shot at covering that number. I'd be careful also just scoreboard watching for that game or just looking at the final score and think that was a close game. The Bucks right. were up 28 to seven in the third quarter. Eagles score a touchdown uh, to cut it to 14. And then with like five minutes left in the fourth quarter, Eagles score, go for two. So they passed that test of uh, down eight going for two as opposed to kicking the field goal, yeah. which I know is a big controversy always on analytics based football Twitter. Uh, but they did go for two because Sirianni is uh, actually a sharp coach. So they ended up covering that game because uh, that night the uh, Buccaneers were a seven-point road favorite. However, Philly is a much different team now than they were back then. So I wouldn't put too much stock into that result because Tampa dominated, uh, but the score looked a little closer. But at the same time, Philly is a evolved, better team at the moment. They're fighters, too, and I, I love putting my money behind teams that fight, and, and they just don't ever stop trying to get in the end zone. So I'm, I'll am i be happy to put my money uh, on the Eagles. Next game we wanted to look at, 49ers at the Cowboys, probably one of the more anticipated matchups of the weekend, certainly probably my favorite game to watch for the weekend. Cowboys laying three, total 50 and a half. This is going to be a Jerry World uh, down in Texas. This is the game that a lot of people love the underdog. I've talked to people at work, seen people online. People love the Cowboys plus three. People, or excuse me, people love the 49ers plus three. People love the 49ers money line. Um, it's it's interesting too, Nate, when you look at a team like the Cowboys that you know America loves to bet on, and you know people are just going to bet the Cowboys because they're the Cowboys. So maybe you'll see them overvalued at times on the line. The fact that it has stayed at three, three and a half, really makes me lean more towards the 49ers because of that. Yeah, Philly, or sorry, not Philly, San Francisco. <laughs> they seem like the, uh, I guess, the public underdog this week, which is pretty crazy because yeah. the Cowboys, as you mentioned, are a very public team that people love to bet on, especially this Cowboys team that won the division rather easily and are in a playoff game hosting it at home. And I know it's, you know, people might say, oh, it's, you need to stay away from the public underdog, but I can only look towards the 49ers in this game and if this line does get to three and a half, I'll probably be on San Francisco. As long as Trent Williams, their left tackles, would go for this game. I wrote a lot about this in my article. You can check out on WatchStadium.com where I kind of highlighted why I like San Francisco in this game. Uh, I do have a little bit of worries, though, and concerns just because Jimmy G's coming off that thumb injury, and who knows if he's 100%. Also that they had an all-out effort to beat the 49 or beat the Rams last week to get to this point. So maybe a little worried about that. But 
I think my concern here about just the Cowboys and why I've kind of liked the 49ers is the Cowboys offense maybe being a little bit overrated because they've had some big performances in the last few games. But one was against a Washington football team that was in a COVID outbreak or getting over a COVID outbreak. And then last week against the Eagles where they scored 51 points, but the Eagles didn't put any effort into the game as they rested a lot of their starters. Uh, so I don't put too much stock into those performances. And I think because of that, the Cowboys maybe just a touch inflated and the 49ers, a team that have really improved down the stretch after starting three and five, winning seven of the last nine games. In the last nine games, they scored 23 or more points in all but one of the games, and that was against the Titans where they got out to a fast start, and then Jimmy G got hurt at some point in the game. It was playing injured. So I like where the San Francisco's offense is. Kyle Shanahan, uh, their head coach, who used to be the offensive coordinator for the Falcons when Dan Quinn was the head coach. So that'll be a fun matchup to see, and if I had to pick a coach in that matchup, I would definitely pick Shanahan. So like a lot of things here, about the 49ers obviously there's some hesitancy and which is why i'm not making it a best bet or it's a really strong bet but i'm kind of waiting out to see where the market ends up lying on sunday because there's gonna be a ton of money bet in this game and if i can get a 49ers plus three and a half with trent williams active i'll be on san francisco yeah 100 percent. if three and a half shows up i'm going san francisco i also like the under in this one uh at 50 and a half that to me it just seems a little bit too high with uh teams each that have pretty decent defenses. I don't know how much Trayvon Diggs is going to be picking on Jimmy G. Um, and I, I know I'm sure Kyle Shanahan and everyone who's involved in the offensive game planning is going to be aware of how to try to stop Diggs from getting an interception from, from Garoppolo, who has been known to throw some pretty stupid passes. So I would imagine San Francisco leans more towards the run, which they always do, which hopefully can help run some clock for us, extend the game a little bit, uh, or, shorten the game a little bit i should say and maybe hit that under but again it's two offenses i don't trust two defenses that have had success at least in the last couple of weeks so i would lean towards the under in this one and then if you can get that three and a half i think you pounce on that for san francisco as well uh steelers at the chiefs we go to middle america the chiefs laying 12 and a half total 46 uh, Juju Smith-Schuster reportedly, uh, as of today, maybe will play in that game, depending on how he feels, uh, depending really? how healthy he feels. Yeah, that's the reports coming out. He was practicing today. Um, so who knows if he plays or not at this point. It really is literally a game-time decision because it's, it's depending on how he feels. Um, but Chiefs, I know, Nate, you and I, Chiefs first half, we got on that, yeah. minus seven first half. And that line has seemed to be moving a bit. That is really the only bet in this game that I'm completely confident in um, is, is Chiefs minus seven for that first half because a team like the Steelers can see him maybe getting a, a sneaky backdoor cover and to end this game, especially with Big Ben just playing all out and maybe his last game of his career. Yeah, and, and check out the uh, tweet that we post on Stadium Bets about uh, the first half trends with the Steelers the last eight weeks where they've been outscored 117 to 32 in the last eight games so they're scoring four points per game each first half i believe in the last seven game they have one touchdown in the first half and that was against a browns team where the steelers were leading at halftime but the browns also lost playoff motivation because they were eliminated from contention the day before in week 17 on a monday night so 
that was kind of the one game you'd expect them to play well, and they did. But in the other games, they didn't play well, and they're a huge underdog here. They were down 23 nothing to the Chiefs in Week 16 at halftime. They end up scoring a late touchdown to get the game over to make the game 36-10, to so looking a little bit more respectable. But we did break down this game for a while, so don't need to talk too much more about it. I like the Chiefs' first half at minus 7. I know a lot of places now heavily juice 7 or 7.5. Maybe wait and see if seven comes back. Another way to play it is if you don't think the Steelers' offense is going to score in the first half, looking at the Steelers' team total, maybe under seven and a half. I know that gets a little bit risky, but if the Steelers were to score a touchdown in the first half, then they maybe wouldn't be able to cover the first half just because, um, I don't know. The, well, I, I think both could definitely happen, but I think that's just another way to go around it if you don't want to lay seven and a half in the first half. But that's the bet. If you listen to Wednesday's show, hopefully you took that when it was available at 7 minus 110. If not, make sure to listen to this podcast as soon as possible because I think a lot of the information that we get uh, is, you know, passed around not because of us, but like it just becomes knowledge and the information is there and then people react to it um, middle of the week and then late in the week there's no value. So make sure to to check out our stuff right away. But, yeah, Chiefs minus seven first half is where I'm looking. Yeah, I think I'm going under, too. Uh, if we're going to be picking over-unders for this game, I'm going under. Pittsburgh's a huge under team this season, 11 out of the 17 games they've played in has gone under. And Kansas City, I think, to me, has been a, a sneaky under under team, too. At least they certainly were to start the season. They've been hitting overs uh, in the past. Let's see. I think they've gone over in their last five games, actually. And then before that, they were going under in almost all of their games. So they have been a, a shaky over-under team. But Steelers' defense has been helping their games get the under. And I know the Kansas City offense has been getting better. They were struggling to start the season. That's why the Kansas City yep. unders were hitting a lot more. So maybe the Chiefs are able to score 31 points. Uh, 34 points on the Steelers defense, but that seems a highly unlikely to me with the way the Steelers are playing. And they know this, they're, they're kind of the underdog here and they know they really, no one expects them to win games. And a team like that, I, I'm a little cautious around, especially for a full game because they have pretty much nothing to lose. Big Ben literally said, no one expected us to be here. We didn't expect to be here. So the team's mindset coming into this is this is, we're just playing with house money. So a team like that, I, I get a little nervous about if we're going to be betting the full game spread and especially with how good their defense has been, I would lean towards uh, the under in this one for under 46. Finally, Cardinals at Rams on Monday night. Rams minus four, total 49. Ooh, Nate, this is a tough one. Two teams that uh, you like to fade. One team that we both hate, and Cliff Kingsbury, who we can't stand when we're betting on the Cardinals. So this may be, you're staying away from the first game that we talked about with the Raiders and Bengals. I may be staying away from this one because I don't know in my any good conscience that I could put any money on either of these teams to cover the spread. Yeah, I'm not sure what else I could say that I didn't say on Wednesday. And we do have a video um, on the stadium bets a Twitter account previewing this game. So if you want to look back, but I think it's plain and simple. I like the Rams. That's the only way I could look. It's either Rams or pass. I'm going to wait to see if I can get a three and a half by Monday night. Maybe if JJ Watson, that somehow makes the market overreact to an injury, uh, a returner for a defensive end, which I don't think is a huge deal or should matter to the point spread. So it's Rams or pass. And then it's under or pass for me. Arizona's offense just has been very inefficient the last 
four weeks, five weeks, pretty much since they played that Rams, the Rams on the Monday night, and the Rams beat them despite being shorthanded because of COVID. And I'll just say it again, last week really, really made me totally want to fade the Cardinals, the way they played against the Seahawks. The Seahawks yeah. outgained them yards per play, 7.6 to 4.2. It was the only reason the Cardinals really stayed in the game is first play of the game, they get a fumble six, and then right to start the second half, uh, they get a turnover to set up a first and goal. So basically they scored 14 of their 30 points directly off turnovers. Other than that, it wasn't very impressive from Arizona's offense. Their defense has really trended poorly in the last month. So it's Rams or nothing for me. I'm hoping to get a minus four, uh, minus three and a half, pardon me, because right now it's minus four across the board with the total pretty much across the board, 49. Yeah, 49, uh, 49 and a half. It's under and pass for me. I wouldn't go under like 49 or 48 and a half, uh, but we'll see on Monday because before we're recording this Thursday evening, this comes out Friday a lot morning. A lot could <laughs> yeah. change. Uh, but yeah, it's Rams or pass and under or pass for me. Yeah. When you're talking about yards per play offensively for the Cardinals, they have been outgained in their passing yards per play in four of their last five games which when you have the offense, and, and I know Hopkins has been out for the Cardinals, but when you have Kyler Murray and you have a coach like Cliff Kingsbury who comes in as this offensive guy who can help Kyler be his best self, if you're getting out game on passing yards per play almost every single game over the past month, that's not a great look for the direction that your team is going in. So, yeah, I, I would probably stay away. If I'm leaning anyway, I would lean Rams, but I do like that underplay. As long as it stays at 49 and a half, I really do like that underplay uh, for a game like this. Now, let's talk player props for a quick second because we don't usually do a ton of player props. I'll do some NBA ones, but we're, we haven't been a huge player prop podcast, which we could change come next season, whatever it may be. But, Nate, you do have some uh, trends or some ways you're looking at betting player props as we go into this weekend. Yeah, definitely. So I'm not offering much in terms of sides and totals for the games. And I know at the end of the show, maybe we'll review some things I'm looking for, but let's look at some player props because some stuck out with me. And I did definitely teased about the, uh, the Raiders Bengals game high nothing, yeah. but there was a player prop I like. And the Bengals are very poor at covering the middle of the field. So I'm looking towards those players, slot receivers and tight ends on the Raiders. And they have a couple good ones in Hunter Renfro. Darren Waller and Foster Moreau, who filled in admirably for Waller when he missed um, a large portion of the late games of the season. I'm going to look towards Darren Waller, though. I was a little worried at first because he just returned last week. He only had two catches on 22 yards, but he did have nine targets, so they were trying to use him more, and that was his first game back since Thanksgiving when he got hurt against the Cowboys. So I think in this game he has an opportunity now that he had a game under his belt to have a big game, and last time they played uh, the Bengals in November, Waller had seven catches for 116 yards. So I know his player prop is in the mid-50s in terms of receiving yards, so I'm going to look Darren Waller over as a prop to play in the first game of Wild Card Weekend. Yeah, I think that's good. We, I mean, love tight ends, I guess, is the is the big player prop uh, theme, it seems like, is what we're yeah. talking about. So you got Buccaneers tight ends, George Kittle, Travis Kelsey. You've been zoning in on the tight ends this weekend. 
Yeah, and it's not just like I have a love for that position or anything, but the matchup okay. set up you well. The bit, you know, I mean, I do like Kittle. He's an awesome player, and Kelsey is, is seems pretty cool. And, I mean, Darren <laughs> Waller. So, yeah, you're having a lot of elite tight ends playing, and yeah. uh, they're getting good matchups in the case of Rob Gronkowski. Uh, the Eagles are horrible at covering tight ends. So Gronkowski, who is now in an offense that doesn't have Chris Godwin or Antonio Brown, who are players who run a lot of their routes from the slot, uh, that kind of leaves Gronkowski. And if it's windy day and, and bad weather, I don't know that that's bad for Gronkowski, or maybe it's a good thing because Tom Brady will be targeting Mike Evans less on the outside and maybe finding Gronkowski for kind of short, safe passes. So maybe Gronkowski over receiving yards or maybe even over receptions in a game like this where he might just have a lot of catches for like six yards and then fall down two yards and maybe not get quite to the receiving yard part, but maybe the reception part. So I'm going to look to target some Rob Gronkowski's over, whether that's receptions or receiving yards. Haven't figured it out yet, but if I can maybe find like a five or something. I know a lot of it's five and a half, which seems maybe a tad high in receptions, but if I can find a five, I'll be interested in Gronk. And then you mentioned Kittle. I just feel like Kittle's due for a breakout, and, and he gets a great matchup against Leighton Vander Esch, the linebacker for the Cowboys, who struggles in coverage. Uh, Kittle had huge games in December against the Seahawks and Bengals, where he got over 150 yards in both of them. But since then, he kind of has been held in check. Like last week, he had five receptions for 10 yards. But I think the matchup wasn't as good and kind of called for the 49ers to run more. And Kittle is a very good run blocker. He's not just a good uh, pass catcher. He's good overall, and that's what makes him one of the highest-paid tight ends in the game. So I think this is the game, though, where Kittle is unleashed against the Cowboys linebackers who struggle to cover tight ends. And I think because he struggled last few games, his receiving yard prop is a little bit lower than it was for most of this season. I like it. No, I think that's a good way to approach it. It's it's the playoffs, right? And Kittle's going to be heavily favored and heavily looked at by this offense, you yeah. imagine, especially with the defense for the Cowboys being a, one of their big issues is covering tight ends. Yeah, and Kyle Shanahan's a smart guy. He knows, well, first of all, he knows Dan Quinn's defense because he was with the Falcons for two years before he became the head coach of the 49ers. And he's also a smart enough coach to play to the opponent's weaknesses, and that's clearly the Cowboys' weaknesses. So games against, like, the Texans and the Rams and the Titans, who might struggle to cover tight ends, I'm not really sure their metrics there, but those were games where the 49ers wanted to run the ball more. And Kittle is good in run blocking. So now I feel like this is a game where we're still going to see the 49ers run the ball against the Cowboys defense, not great at stopping the run, but also a lot of Kittle over the seam and up the middle of the field against Van Der Esch or whoever is trying to cover him. Uh, I think Kittle will have a lot of success in this game. So looking for his receiving yards over on Sunday afternoon. And then Kelsey uh, was the other one you wanted to mention. Yeah, just another team who struggles against in the middle of the field. You could attack in the middle of the field. Teams have been able to run all over the Steelers this season. Uh, the Ravens, and it was a Latavius Murray who was running wild against them in Week 18. So I'm going to look at whoever the Chiefs starting running back is, maybe his receive, uh, rushing yards over. Uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire has missed the last few games, so it might be Daryl Williams. So let's see about that. And then Travis Kelsey, who missed the – first game against the Steelers three weeks ago because he's had COVID. I can see him having a good game against the Steelers, who, as I mentioned, struggle to cover the middle of the field. So it's ends up being like all these elite tight ends this week, 
but they mm-hmm. all get really good matchups. And I know weather might play a factor in a few of them, like the Tampa Bay one, but I, I like the looking at the tight ends this week in pretty plus matchups in the biggest games of their team seasons. All right, before we go, we have a college basketball play from you for Saturday, and then I have a couple of uh, leans in the NBA. Yeah. yeah, so this is a side I'm looking at for Saturday, and it's a side that a team hasn't had a very good season in the ACC, and that's Syracuse. They're hosting Florida State. It's Saturday afternoon, and it's really a fade against Florida State, who's coming off a dramatic one-point win against in-state rivals Miami. Next Tuesday night, Florida State has a home game against Duke, which will be Coach K's last uh, game coaching, I guess, at Florida State. So maybe there's going to be a a big deal for that or uh, a renewed energy from the crowd, or maybe the team is just kind of focusing on that game and kind of happy about themselves beating Miami how they did. But now you have to go up to Syracuse, upstate New York, on a Saturday afternoon, Long travel between two pretty big home games. So I'm going to look at Syracuse here. Hope to get him at like a pick or maybe an underdog price. I know Ken Prom, Ken Pomeroy, his projections have Syracuse winning this game by one. I know the sports betting market in college basketball often opens pretty close to those numbers. So I wouldn't be surprised if Syracuse is a small favorite. But if you can get Syracuse at a pick maybe just minus one is the, the buy price on the orange for Saturday college hoops. And I'll... Uh, I'll have my uh, – so on Twitter, check out where I do my uh, tracking for bets oh, if yeah. you want to follow along. So I'll make any official plays for college basketball or any other sports this weekend on there if you want to check out what I'm playing. But Syracuse is definitely one thing I have circled for Saturday. Uh, for the NBA, Nate, I've got two leans that I am doing. Uh, Memphis is minus two against the Mavs on Friday night for some of these early numbers. Now, that may change, but I'm just looking at they've got some of these early numbers out for Friday's games. So even by the time you listen to this on Friday morning, this line may have changed just a little bit, but not, you know, not by too much. Um, I do. I think we have to ride with the hot team with the Memphis Grizzlies. They've been absolutely destroying every team they have played 10 in a row. They're going to go for 11 in a row against Dallas. They're going to be at home against the Dallas team coming off a pretty bad loss against the Knicks. So I don't expect as poor play from the Mavericks as we saw uh, in Madison Square Garden. But Memphis just has it all. Jaws rolling. They've got the outside shooting going. Jaron Jackson's been playing well. It's just the, the team is molding and fitting together exactly how they expected it to fit at this point in the season. That's why Memphis is the NBA's hottest team. So I think we keep riding with that. We give them a minus two. Cleveland Cavaliers ride another good team against the spread. They have been one of the best, if not the best, team against the spread this season. So we'll take Cleveland Cavaliers. Let's take a minus two and a half against the San Antonio Spurs. They're going to be on the road. Coming off a pretty impressive win against the Jazz, too, Nate. So they, they're feeling good. They're coming off. They have the momentum. Um, San Antonio's been up and down this season. They're going to struggle against the bigs for the Cavs with Jared Allen and Evan Mobley. So I, I'm going to feel fairly comfortable and say Cleveland minus two and a half as the road favorites in San Antonio. We'll take Memphis at minus two. Hopefully the lines don't change too much by Friday. And as always with the NBA bets, Wait till four, wait till five, wait till these injury reports come out. That's why uh, these are just leans on the show. They're not like official NBA bets. They're just going to be leans from what I see for the next day. But, uh, yeah, those the COVID issues have been going away, which has been nice. Uh, It seems like the NBA hit its peak a couple weeks ago, so we're not seeing as many COVID scratches, you know, like 30 minutes before tip-off. But 
there's still some stragglers here and there, and we'll have some injury report issues as well. So wait until 4, 4.30 when those come out before the games uh, for the NBA is the recommendation I would make. But if that's it, Nate, I think we're good to go. Good luck to everybody. It's a fun weekend. Six NFL games, wild card weekend, super wild card weekend. Uh, we'll be back next week to recap some of it and then look towards the, the divisional rounds, which is Nate's favorite. So I think you'll have some good picks for that one. But good luck to everybody this weekend, and we'll uh, talk to you all next week. We'll be right back.